I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on this law does he meditate day and night. I will delight myself in thy statutes, and I will not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your Torah. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. All right, find your way to Matthew chapter 27. That's where we're going to begin. And then we're going to lead right on into Deuteronomy chapter 12, which is part of our Torah portion for this week. Our Torah portion for this week is called Re'eh, which is the Hebrew word that means see. It means to see. And so if I had to title this message, it would be called The Real Deal. The Real Deal. Now, technology has gone to a point that all they have to do is go on my YouTube channel or my Rumble channel or my Facebook page, and they just can sample just a few things that I've said and to be able to uh, get it into their technology, their database, to be able to make me say whatever they want me to say. They can take my image from those YouTube videos, they can take images from the my pictures, and they can create an AI representation of myself to make it look like me, to make it sound like me. But how do you, so how do you know if it's me or not? How do you know if a video that comes out, if it's really me or not? I know you. Yeah, you know me. It's, it's because you know who I am. And you could tell if that's really me or not. So like, you know, we hear these political uh, commercials. You know, my name is so-and-so and I'm running for such-and-such and I approve this message. Mm. Well, what if there's a video that comes out that says, all right, guys, you know what? We need to really trust the powers that be the, that are out there. You know, I truly and wholeheartedly believe in what the World Economic Forum is doing. I mean, we can own nothing and be happy and we need just to submit ourselves to this system. And, you know, I mean, we're keeping our planet safe by all these, these battery-operated green cars and, 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 you know, take every shot that comes out. No matter what it is, don't question it because they, they, they know what they're talking about. They're, that, that's the science, right? So go ahead and just, just inoculate yourself to high heaven. It'll be great. Uh, not only that, but let's just kill off our unborn babies and just all the old people who can't contribute to society. Let's just give them, you know, let, let them slip off into eternity. Let's just give them a needle. My name is Pastor Christian Maker, and I approve this message. What would you say? There's no way that that could be me because I've preached against every single thing I just said in past sermons. There's no way I would say anything. So you would know that it's a fake because my name, it may have my name, but it doesn't have my authority behind it. You'd be getting a lot of phone calls. Yeah, you'd be getting a lot of phone calls, right? Are you okay? <laughs> so you know it wouldn't be me. Because even though it's showing my face, using my voice, it's not me. Because the essence of my name, the authority of my name is not behind that message. So in Matthew, Matthew what? chapter 27, boy, everybody else has turned there, and I'm sitting here gabbing, and I haven't even gotten there yet. Gab away. Yeah, <laughs> Matthew chapter 7. Oh, 7. Yep. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, 27. That's my dyscalculia, my fault. 27. Is it you or AI now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, my dyslexia, or my dyscalculia is me. All right, so Matthew chapter 27 we're going to uh, start with verse 45 and probably going to take this verse from a perspective maybe you haven't considered yet. So verse 47, or uh, 45 I mean, of chapter 27. 
This is Yeshua when he's on the cross. So it says, Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Yeshua, that is Jesus, cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know now that he is quoting a psalm. When some of those standing there heard it, they began to say, this man is calling for Elijah. And right away, and right away, one of them ran and took a sponge. He filled it with sour wine and put it on a stick and offered it to Yeshua to drink. But the rest were saying, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And Yeshua cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was split in two from top to bottom. That's what I want to focus on in, is verse 51. And behold, the curtain of the temple was split in two from top to bottom. We've probably all heard that that symbolizes that now we have direct access to the throne of God through Yeshua. We don't have to go through a high priest. We don't have to go through rituals and customs, yada, yada, yada. Yes, we know all this. But let's also consider that this is probably when Elvis left the building. That's what I agree. This is God, left. God left the building. Because you know what happened after this? See, what had happened is there was already a big split within the Levitical community. The Levitical priests and the authorities that were currently occupying the temple, they were in bed with Rome. Rome was actually telling them pretty much what to do. They were still sacrificing, still doing their rituals, and still you know, doing all their Jewish religious stuff. But it was under the sanction of the Roman government. They weren't necessarily following God in this anymore. And so God was sick of it, but a lot of the Levites were sick of it. And Zechariah, which is John the Baptist's father, he was working in the temple when the angel came to him and said, hey, you're going to have a son. Well, when this son was born, it, the, 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 the temple system got so corrupt and got so bad that John said, hey, I'm done with this. I, I mean, I know I could follow in my father's footsteps, but I'm not going to. I'm going with the other Levites to the, to the Qumran area of the desert. And he become a part of the Qumran Essene community, which uh, basically preserved the scriptures that we have today. That's, that's where we found a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They thought that the temple structure, the temple uh, way of doing things had become so polluted and so corrupt, so, um, uh, uh, what am I trying, assimilated into the Roman government and the Roman structure that it was it was impure it was polluted so you had a lot of the levites that went off to the qumran community in this desert community to keep and preserve the true customs and traditions so when the temple was torn in two i think that god left god left the temple his name was no longer there rome's name was there the caesar's name was there didn't even the levites and the jews themselves cry out in opposition to Jesus, when Pilate said, well, he's your king. Why should I crucify him? We have no king but Caesar. Mm -hmm. They showed who they served and where they stood at that moment. And so God left. He left the temple. Now, let's go to our Torah portion. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12, starting with verse 1. So a lot of times in the scripture, you'll, you'll hear them talk about the name, the name, the name of God, the name of the Lord, the name, the name, the name. It's not just a name. There's more implied than just a name. A name implies reputation. 
A name implies authority. So when you say the name Aaron DeMerchant, you know, you think, oh, well, he runs Harvest House. He has the authority and say over Harvest House Tobik. So part of that name, there's a reputation. There's an authority that's linked to that name. When people hear Rabbi Yehuda or Pastor Chris, they think, oh, he's the one who runs Root of Yeshua congregation. He's the congregational leader. He's the pastor. He's the rabbi of that place. There is an authority that is attached to that name. So when you say the name of the Lord, Yahweh, you say the name of Yeshua, there's power, there's authority attached to those names. I mean, you can, you can find a demon-possessed person and say, come out in the name of Elvis Presley. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. You can say, come, come out in the name of Michael Landon who played on uh, Highway to Heaven. Nothing's going to happen. But if you say, come out in the name of Jesus, come out in the name of Yeshua, something's going to happen because there's power and authority in that name. The demons tremble. They know who that name represents and the power and the authority behind that name. So there's a name. Whenever you hear name in the scripture, always think of reputation, of power, of authority attached to that name. So here we have in Deuteronomy chapter 12, starting with verse 1. These are the statutes and the ordinances that you are to make sure to do in the land that Adonai, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess. All the days that you live on the earth, you must utterly destroy all the places where the nations that you will dispossess serve their gods, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. So wherever there were pagan places of worship, they were to wipe out those idols, those statues, those structures, those edifices, those buildings, and wipe out the name. Now, a lot of times these pagan places were turned into public latrines or public garbage dumps to show what they thought of that God. You are to tear down their altars, smash their pillars, burn their Asherah poles in the fire, cut down the carved images of their gods, and you are to obliterate their name from that place. In other words, they no longer have the authority over that place. Their name is gone, therefore the reputation, their authority is gone. You are not to act like this towards Adonai your God. Rather, you are to seek only the place Adonai your God chooses from all of your tribes to put his name to dwell. We know that place to be Jerusalem. That's the place where he says, I'm sticking my flag here. I'm putting my name here. This is going to be from now on the only legitimate place that you can sacrifice. The only legitimate place to where you can offer offerings. And Solomon later, uh, you know, confirmed that when he built the temple and dedicated it to God. There you will bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes, the offerings of your hand, your vow and freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. There you and your household will eat before Adonai your God and rejoice in every undertaking of your hand as Adonai your God has blessed you. You will not do all the things that we are doing here today, everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. You know, that's kind of what Christendom has become. It's become a lone ranger religion. I'm just going to do what I want and do what I feel like. I'm going to make this a smorgasbord faith. I'm just going to pick and choose what I want and leave behind what I don't want. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. So it says, we're not going to do what we're doing here today, everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. For you have not yet come to the resting place 
and the inheritance that Adonai your God is giving you. But when you cross over the Jordan and settle in the land that Adonai your God enables you to inherit, and he will give you rest from all your enemies around you, you will dwell in safety. Then the place Adonai your God chooses to make his name dwell. Then the place Adonai your God chooses to make his name dwell. That's, he's putting a stamp of approval on a place. He's putting his name and his reputation, his power. It's basically going to be his headquarters. Dwell there. You are to bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the offerings of your hand and of your finest vow offerings that you are to vow to Adonai. Then you will rejoice before Adonai your God, you and your sons and daughters, your slaves and your maids and the Levites in your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance among you. Be careful that you do not offer your burnt offerings in any place you see. Be careful that you do not uh, offer your burnt offerings in any place you see. Because you know what? God, God has not put his name in every single place. Every single place that claims to have his name doesn't necessarily have his name there. You gotta, you know, it's just like that video, that deep fake video of me saying some stuff that I'd never say. It's got my name, but really my name's not there. It's not me who said it. There are places, ministries, churches, establishments that claim to abide by the name, that claim to be on the level. But once you get to know them a little better, you're like, wait, God's name isn't here. It's the name of their denomination. It's the name of their particular brand of religion. It's the name of their cult. It's the name of their pastor. It's the name of their rabbi. God's name doesn't dwell here. So it says here to be careful that you do not offer your burnt offerings in any place you see. Rather, do so only in the place Adonai chooses in one of your tribes. There you are to offer your burnt offerings. There you are to do all that I am commanding you to do today. So that's why there was no sacrificing on the high places anymore, because God's name wasn't there. God did not officially sanction those high places. It used to be acceptable to do that, but the game has changed. There's only one legitimate place, and that is Jerusalem. Now, how many have been to New York? Anybody been to New York? Okay. So, if you go to New York, can you get a genuine Gucci bag, a genuine Gucci handbag from the trunk of a car on a New York City street? No. no. Gucci's not there. It's an imposter. Right? It's not the real Gucci. The Gucci name may be there, but not the reputation and the authority behind that name. You're just going to get a cheap Gucci knockoff. It's going to look like Gucci, but it's not Gucci. So many churches during COVID showed their true colors, making themselves as a Sadducean temple in bed with Rome. God's name and his authority can't be found in such places. Because who did these churches bow to quicker than you could say, yo mama? The government. They were fearful of getting shut down. They were fearful of getting fined. They were trying to rationalize the abuse of power and the authority of the government by saying, well, the Bible says we got to submit. No, you're, you're, you're misinterpreting those passages you think say do whatever the government says because they're clearly telling you to do something that God would never tell you to do. Stop singing. Don't be singing those hymns in this church. I don't care if you're wearing a mask or not. Don't sing. Don't you tell me how to worship my God. You have no right to tell me how to worship my God. If you're telling me not to sing, it's the same as telling me not to pray. 
And they told Daniel not to pray. Did he say, oh, well, I, I guess I better do what they say. I'll just pray in private where nobody will. I'll just pray under the bed. I'll be safe there. No, he opened up the window and prayed in front of everybody. He says, I don't care who sees because this is the right thing to do. I know I'm signing my own death warrant by doing this, but I don't care. And so a lot of these churches are, oh, we better do what the government says. And there's churches that stood against this and they got persecuted for it because they were obeying God rather than man. And so many churches during COVID showed their true colors by making themselves a Sadducean temple in bed with Rome. That's why the temple was destroyed. One of the biggest reasons the temple was destroyed. God was not there anymore. He left the building. He ripped the curtain and he left. So God's name and authority can't be found in such places that would rather bow to the authority of man than rather than bow to the authority of God. So how do you discern between like when you're supposed to respect your like where God plays? That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother, that's all that we could yeah, we can go we can go on that. I've done sermons on that and done, you know, lessons on that. Um but it's it's like Major League Baseball or it's like the hockey league. Sometimes you'll see like a shirt that's got, you know, your favorite team on it. But it's not officially sanctioned by the NHL or the Major League Baseball or whatever. It's, it's a knockoff. Somebody just took the logo and took the name and used it, but it's not official. There's no power. There's no authority behind it. They, they, they can't legally be selling that. You're not going to get a starter jersey at the dollar store. Right, yeah. You're not going to get a starter jersey with your team on it at the dollar store. Exactly right. So I wrote like a little paragraph, so bear with me here. Some of this may seem a little harsh. Some of you may prickle at maybe what I say and say, well, I don't totally understand or I don't totally agree with it. Hopefully I can explain myself. <laughs> a church that displays the LBGTQAI plus rainbow flag has an LBGTQAI plus clergy or leadership. Those churches and ministries that have drag queens and children's church, those um, who have politicians that are against the Judeo-Christian values speak behind their pulpits during election year. Those churches that charge you to have them prophesy over you or charge you to have a healing session, those churches that, that call Christian cults like Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, oh, they're our brothers, they're just like us. Those that use Ouija boards and tarot cards but just call them by another name, angel boards and destiny cards, those churches that put a premium on entertainment and staying hip, but yet neglecting the word of God, the gospel, and the doctrine of hell. Churches that have female pastors that are leading the congregations. Now, there's one that you may prickle at. There's, there's a lot of great female preachers and teachers, but the Lord has not called them to pastor a flock, and he made it clear in his word. That's not just a slam against women. My wife is just as authoritative minister as I am. She's just not leading the congregation. She's leading the women. I can't do that. So hopefully you understand what I'm saying there. So I'm not trying to throw female ministers under the bus. There's a place for them, but they're not to pastor churches according to the word of God. So, and churches uh, that do not believe in the cardinal non-negotiables of the faith, the virgin birth, the divinity of Messiah, the infallibility of the word of God, the sinless life of Messiah, his atoning death, his resurrection and ascension, soon return. Churches that introduce strange new doctrines or reinterpret orthodox doctrines. Churches that replace God's holiness with love. That's another one people prickle about. Well, I thought God was love. Yes, he's love. But above love, he's holy. Holiness defines what his love is. Because if God was just love, there would be no hell. If God was just love and love alone, we wouldn't have to worry about salvation. We'd all be good. 
but it's his holiness that dictates the love and the, his wrath. So churches that put a premium on his love and totally dismiss his holiness, you got to watch out for those. Um, lost my place in this big old paragraph here. Uh, churches that, um, that are soft on blatant outright sin. Sin going on right in their church, and they're not calling people out for it. Oh, because they don't want to lose the tithe money, or they don't want to lose memberships. They don't want to lose numbers. But yet they're not confronting people that are living together that shouldn't be living together. They're, 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 they're not confronting adultery. They're not confronting blatant sin that everybody knows is going on. Churches that preach pop psychology, they just throw in a couple Bible verses to make it seem legit, to make it seem good. But they're really just preaching a pop psychology. Because it makes you feel good. Oh, we don't want anybody leaving church feeling bad or feeling like they're a sinner. Oh, God forbid. We want to make everybody feel good when they leave the church. So we're just going to tell, we're going to tickle their ears. Cooch, cooch, coo. Right? Those, those churches that preach pop psychology instead of the word. Churches that won't allow for questions. Churches that won't allow for free thought or autonomy. We know churches like this, churches that they're your friends, they'll love you as long as you look like them, smell like them, walk like them, talk like them. Once they figure out they can't change you, out you go. You're, you're, you know, you were yesterday's news. They drop you like a bad habit. Churches that are not evangelistic or missions focused, they're not focused on the gospel, not focused on salvation. Churches that rationalize or intellectualize away the spiritual. I recently heard a, a preacher say, God doesn't speak to us anymore. What? He doesn't speak to us on a personal level anymore like he did the prophets, like he did. What? Come on now. God still speaks. He speaks, in, he speaks through his word, obviously, but he speaks to us in more ways. He's given me dreams. He's given me words for other people. He's confirmed those things. So churches that try to rationalize or intellectualize away the spiritual. Churches that are more or less a social club and have a pecking order. Churches and ministries that put man's doctrine or denomination over the plain word of God. Churches that fall backwards and moo like cows. I'm all for the move of the spirit. But there's an imitation. There's a cheap Gucci knockoff of spirit-filled churches. If you read in the scripture, and I think it's a learned behavior, I don't think that they're doing this because they're purposely rebellious or purposely in the wrong. I think it's a learned behavior. But every, every place in the scripture where you see people falling back, they're falling back because they're in rebellion against God. And when they're on God's side, they fall face forward. It's kind of interesting. And then, like, you have these churches that are like, oh, you know, I'm filled with the line of Judah. And they start roaring like a lion and going out on all fours. Uh-uh. That's the kundalini spirit. I've seen the same thing in India. If there's a difference between the spirit of God, I've even seen like men, grown men on the floor holding their bellies going, whoa, whoa, what's going on, brother? What's happening? I'm giving birth to something in the spirit. Okay. No. The Holy Spirit doesn't operate that way. So these, 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 stay away from these churches, stay away from these ministries because his name is not there. His name is not there. It's cheap Gucci knockoffs. It's not sanctioned. So be careful. Not everybody, not every place that says they're a Christian organization or a Christian church is a Christian organization or church. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to check the tree. Is there any fruit on the tree? And if there is, is it good fruit? 
Is it a lively tree or is it a rotten tree? You'll know them by their fruits. Ezekiel chapter 10 speaks of Ezekiel prophesying about God's presence departing from the temple. And Ezekiel 10, 18 says, Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house. There's going to, I mean, God will put up with shenanigans to a certain point. And after he considers a church or an organization crossing the line, his spirit will depart. And that church won't even know it. What happened with Samson? He was once filled with the spirit of God. Oh, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Boom. Rip open chains. The Philistines are upon you. Rip open ropes. Once he got his hair cut, Philistines are upon you. Well, I'll just rise like I did before. He didn't even know the Holy Spirit left him, is what the Word of God says. That is a dangerous and scary place for a church, a Christian organization to be in. I want to read to you from 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 4. I know this is a rough one. You guys are with me? Yes. Okay. 1 Samuel chapter 4. This was about when Eli and his sons were killed and the ark of the Lord was captured. It says in verse 19 of 1 Samuel chapter 4, Now his daughter-in-law, uh, Phinehas' wife, was with child and about to deliver. When she heard the report that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she crouched down and gave birth because she was seized with labor pains. As she was dying, the women attending her said, Don't be afraid. You will uh, bring. You were bringing forth a son, but she did not respond or take it to heart. She named the child Ichabod. Wow, poor kid. <laughs> Ichabod saying, the glory has departed from Israel. God has left the building. That's what Ichabod means. The glory of the Lord has departed. God has left us. She gave up. Because of the capture of the ark of God and because of her father-in-law and her husband. So she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been taken. The ark represented the throne of God. So it says that his presence rested between the two cherubim on the mercy seat of the ark, the ark cover. Well, if the ark's gone, then God is left. That's, that was her thinking. So don't go where his name cannot be found. Where, where God's name cannot be found and where God is absent, holiness, love, and life is absent. Because God is all those things. And when God's gone or his name is not there, his holiness, his love, his life is absent. And all that remains is death and darkness. You know, it's kind of like you were speaking of the dollar store earlier. Like I remember in the 80s, the big toys for me to get were G.I. Joes and Transformers, right? And all these dollar stores were coming off with these cheap G.I. Joe knockoffs and these cheap Transformer knockoffs. I mean, they looked like Optimus Prime, but it wasn't Optimus Prime. You know, it may have looked like, you know, uh, uh, Flint, but it wasn't Flint. It may look like Snake Eyes, but it wasn't Snake Eyes. It's kind of like our, our uh, the internet, like Wish. You know, Wish always has the cheap knockoffs of stuff. It looks like it's the real deal, but you know it's not, right? I mean, that's kind of what it is like with the name. So Matthew 23, 27, Yeshua, Jesus says, Woe to you, Torah scholars and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Matthew 23, 27. So, you know, it's like some of these ministries or some of these churches, I mean, they may look, I mean, they may look really clean on the outside. They're streamlined. They've got a really snappy website. Look like Steve Jobs made it himself. 
you know, they've, they've got the modern praise and worship music. They've got the smoke machines and the light machines, and they've got professional musicians. And not saying that there's anything wrong with any of those things, but that's their focus, right? They've got the coffee bar in the front. Mm. You know, they've got all these modern amenities, and, and it looks more like a, you know, it looks more like a, a, a nightclub than it does a church. And they've got all the bells and whistles, and, and they, they look hip. And, I mean, my goodness, even the pastor's got skinny jeans and a tattoo on his arm to show that he has a, has a past. Right? You know what I'm saying? I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not knocking these guys, and I'm not saying anything. But when your focus is on that, there's something wrong. I mean, you can only go to a circus once. You go to a circus the second time. You've been there and done that. You bought the shirt. You've seen all there is to see. You saw the freak show. There's got to be something else that draws you besides the outward amenities. There's got to be some depth inside for you to stay. And if there's depth, it doesn't matter what the outside looks like. You can be meeting in a basement. If the Spirit of God is there and His name is there, where else do you need to go? Right. Nowhere. I mean, who cares about the bells and whistles? Who cares about the coffee bar? Who cares about the, the, the guy on stage with the Fender guitar? I mean, all those things are nice, but if that's all there is, there's no substance to it. Well, I wasn't. Anyway, it shocked me. When I was in Moncton, uh, there's that church, and I heard that before. Uh huh. And it sounds so good, but it never sits in my spirit. Yeah, well, we won't name names. <laughs> but it's when the pastor announced because there are so many people in the church. We're going to do a service at 9 o'clock and a service at 11. And for me, and all the people, oh yeah, two service. And me, I was just like, okay, two service. So it's like two concerts. The worship team played twice. And when I saw that it was the same thing that they repeat. Yeah. Okay, where's the Holy Spirit? Yeah. This is all. It seems scripted. This is all script. Where's the Holy Spirit? And more than that, the first service must stop at 1030 because there's another one. And what if the Spirit's not done moving by yeah. 10 o'clock? What do you do then? And never sit in my spirit right. that two service in the morning. Never. That, a two services is a good problem to have, but how are you going to swing it towards with the Holy Spirit, right? You know, you got to let the Holy Spirit do what it does, what the Holy Spirit does. You can't I say, oh, it's 10 o'clock. We got to shut her down because the next group's coming in. I personally one, one, felt one more in the presence of the Spirit at Harvest House on Wednesday night <laughs> than I did at that church. And, and I understand one in the morning, one in the evening. Yeah. But two in the morning? Okay, you and want they're the exact night. same thing. Exact at same that thing. point, well, at that's that, yeah, sure. at that point, in the past, what churches would do, they would break off and start another church because it's gotten too big, or they would just build bigger. Yeah. One of the two, they wouldn't, you know, but anyway, we're that, that, that's another rabbit trail in and of itself. Sorry, but <laughs> that was my... I, 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 I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. So, in 2 Corinthians, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, I want to read a verse <coughs> real quick. Everybody's still hanging with me, right? Yes. All right. For if some Second uh, Corinthians eleven four, eleven four, for if someone comes and proclaims another Yeshua, another Yeshua like a cheap Gucci knockoff, like something you bought from Wish, right? Something that doesn't have the official stamp of approval, the the, the official name. For if someone comes proclaiming another Yeshua, 
I mean, people are creating Jesus in their own image. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of ministries preaching a communist Jesus. A lot of churches preaching a woke Jesus. It's not the Jesus of Scripture. For if someone comes and proclaims another Yeshua whom we did not proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit that makes you go, the spirit that makes you go, praise God, I'm a monkey for the Lord, right? Another Yeshua that, that we did not proclaim or receive a different spirit that you did not receive or a different good news adding to the gospel. Well, it's, the gospel's not good enough. You got to do this too. That you did not accept, you put up with that well enough. So Paul's given a warning and he gives him another warning of the cheap Gucci knockoffs, the, the, the cheap internet wish knockoffs in Galatians chapter one, starting with verse six. He says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turned away from the one who called you by the grace of Messiah to a different good news. It's the wish version. It's, it's the Gucci knockoff version. Not that there is another, but only some who are confusing you and want to distort the good news of Messiah. That's what cults do. But even if we, so if we, if we change our tune and start preaching or teaching something else that we've never taught or preached before, you never heard us preach before, or in, in, in parentheses, says, or an angel from heaven. So if an angel, I think there was an angel named Moroni that had golden tablets. Oh, wow, there's a new revelation. But where are those golden tablets now? Oh, they've been taken back to heaven, so we can't retranslate the Book of Mormon. It's deception. Or an angel from heaven should announce another good news to you other than what we have proclaimed. Let that, be per that, let that person be cursed. Let that person be cursed. As we have said before, so I now repeat, if anyone proclaims to you good news other than what you have received, let that person be under a curse. Am I trying now to win people's approval or God's? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Messiah. So it's kind of like me. Sometimes I cringe at the messages that I preach because I know that the, some of the messages I preach are going to step on people's toes. It's going to tick people off because it's not what they want to hear. But I can't help that. I've got to preach what God's word says, not what's going to make you feel good necessarily, not what's going to tickle your ears. You know, sometimes people get mad or think that I'm preaching straight to them. I'm not. You know, it's whatever the Lord has laid on my heart, but it comes from his word. So Paul is warning about that. Don't go for these ear-tickling ministries. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold on to the traditions which were taught. Now, as long as traditions don't override the word of God itself, traditions are totally fine. But when you start putting traditions on the same level as God's word, there's a problem. So it says, then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold on to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter. So Paul is emphasizing, look beyond the hype. Look beyond the bells and whistles. Look beyond the smoke and mirrors. Test it. Let, your litmus, let the litmus test be the word of God itself. If it doesn't pass enough, chuck it to the side. So I've said all that. And you're wondering, okay, well, then what do we look for? You told us not, what not to look for. What do we look for? What do you look for to guarantee you're at a place where God's name, God's authority dwells? I think he said quite, I think he said quite a bit in the Gospel of Mark. 
chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 17. Haven't made any enemies today, have I? All right, not yet. <laughs> All right, so Mark chapter 16, verse 17. I think the Lord's still here. Yeah. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In other words, in my name, meaning my authority, my reputation, they will drive out demons. We've seen that happen. We've seen that happen in, in our circle. They will speak with new languages. They will handle snakes, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. Now, let me, let me straighten out this whole snake handling thing. There is actually a snake handling cult in the Appalachian Mountains in the United States. We're not talking about picking up a rattlesnake and, you know, saying, I'm going to let it bite me and I'm going to be okay. That's, that's just being stupid. But remember when Paul was on the island and he got bit by a snake? Didn't harm him. Everybody said, oh, well, fate has got him. He must be a real, he must be a murderer, a criminal, but fate's got him. But when he survived, like, oh, well, maybe he's a god because he didn't die. That's what it's talking about here. It says, they will handle snakes, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. People from this very congregation have had their hands, had people lay their hands on them, and they've recovered. We've seen God's name, his power and authority displayed in Harvest House and Root of Yeshua, which tells me that God's name is here. His name is here because the, the, the power, the signs, the wonders follow. The proof is in the pudding there. It's not just words. It's not just speeches. It's not bells and whistles that we're proclaiming here. It's the power of God. And, um, you know, Paul said that too in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. He, he says, look, I'm just not speaking words. What, you know, there's proof behind these words because power follows it. So when, when they're saying that, if, if they drink anything deadly, they'll not harm them. So is that talking about... Inadvertent poison. So we're, we're talking about somebody reading non-scriptural stuff to us. It's not going to poison us because we're just going to filter through it. Like, well, if you know the Word of God, you're going to pick out a counterfeit right, right away. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's the spiritual level, but I'm seeing on the physical level because they try to poison the first century believers in different ways. And so, like, inadvertently, they'll drink a poison so and it literally. won't harm them. Yeah, literally. Okay. You know, like, it'll be unbeknownst to them, you know, that, oh, I didn't realize that I was drinking poison. It'll bewilder these people. It's like, oh, we tried to kill them and they can't die. Hmm. You know, I mean, there come a time where uh, John was martyred. They threw him in a vat of boiling oil. They couldn't even boil the guy to death. He wouldn't boil. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, there's power that follow. It's not just words and not just good moral lessons or Aesop's fables or teachings or morality. There's power behind what is preached, and that power is displayed. And if it's not displayed, question where you're at. Question what's going on. Now, to kind of put all this into perspective, it just doesn't mean we can't just do what we want willy-nilly and claim it's the Spirit of the Lord leading us, because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let everything be done in decency and in order. And he's specifically talking about speaking in tongues and prophecy. We just can't rattle off and let everybody just do what they want. There's got to be an order to it. And if there's, because God is a God of order, he's not a God of chaos. And he showed that from Genesis 1, 1, because he took the chaos and brought order to it. So, you know, nothing done or said will be contradictory to the word, for one thing. And his power uh, is the proof that his name and authority is in, that such, in, in such a place. And I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. When I came to you, this is Paul speaking, brothers and sisters, I did not come with excellent speech or wisdom. 
proclaiming to you the mystery of God. For I decided not to know anything among you except Yeshua the Messiah and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. So he's like, you know what? I'm not the greatest speaker. And it wasn't my speeches that drew you in. It wasn't my speeches that really did much. He said it was the power behind that, the authority of God, his name behind that. My speech and my pre preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, so he wasn't a good public speaker. He didn't consider himself to be a good public speaker, but I'm sure a lot of people thought he was he because, yeah, he's, well, he I was highly educated, secularly and religiously. Yeah. He was a rabbi. He was a Pharisee. And as he preached all night and all the next day. The next day, yeah. Yeah. Before the guy fell out the window and yeah. died. And yeah. He had to go down and <laughs> resurrect. Resurrect. <laughs> right. So this Torah portion, A, C, I want you to see what's in front of you. I want you to see what's out there because we live in a day and age where anything can be faked. Anything can look like the real McCoy or the real deal. And it's not, it looks can be deceiving. I mean, that's how magic works. It's sleight of hand, right? It's this misdirection. So we've got to look beyond what we see and see underneath, see the depths, because that's where we're going to see the real deal. Because we've got to see that the power of God is present, because if his power is there, his name is there. Just because they have Christian on the door or on their website doesn't mean that they're Christian, doesn't mean that they're legit. And we've got to be careful because there's so much to choose from, from podcast to internet to social media to, you know, uh, radio, whatever, TV, Roku, all this stuff. You can get religious stuff at your fingertips, but you've got to be careful of what you're consuming spiritually. Is the power of God behind it? Does it contradict the word of God? Those things we've got to look out for and be careful of because the Bible says if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. I mean, he's a Satan's a sly fox, oh, yeah. and he's going to use the truth. He's going to he's going to bait his hook with truth. But once he's got the hook in your jaw, you're pretty much done for. So you got to be on your toes. And he knows scripture inside. Oh yeah, he he knows scripture better than we do. Right. I mean, he's yeah, he's just in denial about the prophetic portions of it, where he's going to burn himself. That's where he gives himself away too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've been deceived from what I call the American gospel. Yeah. For a season, and then I, when I came here three years ago, my eyes opened like, oh, wow, me too. And uh, what I notice, another thing that I notice, it's most of the time those preachers, they will use the Bible, but they will, their preaching will be about you, what you can get. Mm -hmm. your blessing god wants you it's always you me, and me, it's the same me, with worship me. because same. yeah because same. the worship it's like okay it's all for about what you feel what yeah. you can get from the worship service it's, it's not it's not about jesus it's not about praising god it's about yeah it's about what you can get and that should be a dead giveaway if a ministry is all about you and what we can do for you and what the word can do for yeah. you not edifying you to serve God, that should be a red flag right there. But you, uh, I fell under that, you know? Yeah. Because it looks like 
you're going to get a blessing, an anointing, a power, and God is for you, and all under the name of love. And, you know, it's really attractive. And then you just read them, and they choose the right verse, you know? Yeah. But it's twisted out of the context. And then you realize, oh, whoa, wait a minute. That's not the gospel. Right. But when you're in a city, when the majority of the churches follow that type, you're a black sheep. <laughs> right. Don't you're have not, enough faith. <laughs> you're not going to get that message in, in with our brothers and sisters in persecuted parts of the world. That's not the gospel that they receive in here in, you know, North Korea and China and Saudi Arabia and all these places, you know. They they are down to the brass tacks. It's not the bells and whistles for them. It's not about, oh, you know, what about me, me, me. That, 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 that westernized gospel doesn't work for them because if it was based on that westernized gospel – then they're utter failures because they're being persecuted. And you realize after a while, like you're always chasing, like say you chase the joy, you chase the peace, and you go to the church for what you can get. Yeah. You, it's all, yeah. oh, the worship was for me, oh, the pastor talked to me. And yeah. it's what you can get. But, oh, I've been blessed and now I can walk away. And, it's supposed to, no, 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 you go to church for what you can give. <laughs> right, and see, I found that the more you give in a church service, the more you will receive. Yes. If you give of yourself in the service, you're going to get back, and it's, we don't do it for that, but that's the way God works. It's not just, okay, bless me, Lord, what can I get? Pour it on me. No, you got to give, and give of yourself sacrificially. What's the definition of worship? Oh, that's another that's another sermon. That's another right. thing in and of itself. It's not yeah, it's go it. to church to worship. Right. It's not playing guitar. Yeah. Right. It's not. It's not to feel. It's not to feel the glory bumps. Right. If you do, I call that icing on the cake. It's not necessary, because God is worthy of our worship, whether we feel or receive or get anything from it or not. Right. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and close with a blessing uh, over the word and prayer, and then we'll sing uh, one last hymn. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. The word of God is quick. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and of the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. She is a tree of life to them that laid hold upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Father, we come to you and ask that you just take the scales off of our eyes. Take the blinders off of our eyes so that we can re a, so that we can see, so that we can see the truth. We don't want to be deceived. We don't want to be bamboozled. We don't want to live in a selfish religious life where it's all about us. Because, Lord, it's not about us. It's about you. And it's about what, what we can do for others through you. So, Lord, I, I pray that you would just teach us the sacrificial way of agape love, the sacrificial way of loving and serving you, so that we won't be taken by the counterfeits that are out there. They may, they may look Christian. They may smell Christian. They may have that name and the logo or what have you. But it's like, what do they really, what do they emphasize? What do they believe? And, Lord, if there's just words and there's really no power, if there's just a bunch of sparkly show and there's no power— 
Lord, reveal that to us because we don't want to be deceived. We want to be where your name is. And we know that your name is not in every place. We want to be where your name is because where your name is, there is power, there's authority. And Father, we love you and draw us closer to, to you and to each other through you. Make us into the community that you want us and have us to be, Lord. Father, we love you and we praise you and we ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.